Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. This morning I want to bring a passage of scripture that I hope uh, encourages you. My point this morning is, you know, sometimes in life you really are wearied and worn out and lose heart. That's what these verses say. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're at one of those points where you just say, I don't know if I can put my foot forward again tomorrow. Um, It might be a thousand different reasons you might be there. Um, Or maybe you've had in the past or you're gonna run into it in the future. But in our Christian life, we don't, have to be wearied and worn out. There's hope and encouragement to live beyond uh, beyond and above that. So I hope the message is encouraging to you when you hit those spots that are a real struggle that you can look back on it and you can be encouraged by what we talk about. So my take home today is that you do not need, we do not need to grow weary and lose heart in our race of life. We do not need to grow weary and lose heart in our race of life. So I'm going to be reading Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will will not grow weary or lose heart. Now Kayla's back there helping me with the slides, so sometimes I may, I didn't, I forgot my slide. She did something quick, so I really appreciate that. But if you want to just leave that verse up there for a little bit. So what I said to the take home, let's realize that we do not need to grow weary and lose heart. So down in verse 3, we're going to start down there. Um, This word here that is grow weary, it's actually only used one other time in the Bible. And it has to do in James when it says, if you're sick, call the elders. So when you think of this word weary, it's that kind of weariness. You know when you're sick and you got a bug and you, and you just feel like laying down? Not, you just don't have energy to get up. It, it's that kind of sickness kind of weariness. In Hebrews, it's not directly talking about sickness, but sometimes life makes us feel that way. We are just tired. We are weary. Um, and things are going on that we struggle with or that we don't understand. Um, so do not grow, let's not grow weary. And then we have the lose heart. Uh, the word for that can mean fainting, giving out, lose courage. Um, Jesus uses that same word when he's talking about the feeding the 5,000. He says, I do not want to send them away hungry or they may, they may collapse on the way. That's that same word, lose heart. So what does it mean to lose heart? It's that idea of just, collapsing on the way. Um, 
or it's also used in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't be weary. Don't lose heart. Stay at it. So how do we do this? Well, today from these verses, we are going to look at three actions. I can't do this finger very well anymore. I heard it. <laughs> three actions, which, by the way, this is my other old story. Uh, why Jesse was praying, you get old, you have to go out and use the restroom just to make sure before you get up here. I don't know if any of you guys have got to that place or not. But anyway, it's terrible getting old. Um, three actions that'll help us not grow weary and not lose heart. So I hope when you leave today, you're encouraged about not getting that place. And I've got three words that aren't very spiritual words at all, but I hope they stick in your head. The first word is lob. Okay, remember that they have lots of O vowels in the words we're going to lob. Um, we are told to throw off everything that easily, everything that hinders. In other words, lob it, get rid of it, throw a lob, throw off everything that hinders. Now, this is interesting. These when it says uh, everything that hinders, this is things that are what we call amoral, meaning they're not right and wrong things. The next part of it says throw off sins. There we get to that. But in this part of the verse, it's things that are not right or wrong, but they hinder us in our Christian walk. They hinder us in our Christian walk. Uh, I just wrote down a list, and I'm not picking on anybody today, uh, and you probably have a better list in your mind, but what about hobbies? What about cars? How about your home? How about the clothes you have on? How about sporting like fishing and hunting and all of those fun things to do? Uh, what about TV, social media? How about playing sports? We're gonna have a lot of sports illustrations today because he talks about running the race in these. Um, what about just your work, your workplace and your workload? All of these things that I just mentioned, none of them are right or wrong, but the quantity or the focus or the emphasis can lead to something that becomes a hindrance. For example, if you have a hobby, a hobby should be something you do and it actually encourages you and builds you up and relaxes you so that you're able to go do other things in life. But if your hobby consumes you and takes you away from important things. So it's not, it's right or wrong, but it's how it's affecting your life. That's these hindrances here. Um, one man said, our choices are not always between right and wrong, but between something that may hinder us and something else that may not. And that's what he's talking about here. It's like, let's say you're, uh, you're, you're a long distance runner today. Okay, you ready to go? half marathon, 13 miles. Well, when you start, you probably show up with a long sleeve shirt, long pants, warm up clothes, because you don't want to be cold when you start a race, especially if it's fall and a chilly day, and you warm up and run and you get warmed up. Those warm up clothes are great. But the guy, when you get ready to run this race, you don't leave them on. because those warm up clothes at that point will become a hindrance. That's the idea of this verse. Some things have a great place in life, they're fine but we can use them too much, too long, 
too important to us or whatever, that they become a hindrance. Um, so don't be the long distance runner that forgets to take his warm-up clothes off and takes off on the run and wishes he had taken them off. Warm-up clothes are good and have a place, but in life they need to be removed or they become a hindrance. In your life, is there something that would be warm-up clothes that is maybe becoming a hindrance? Um, just something for you to think about. And it's hard to identify them because these are not right and wrong. These are things that are, are difficult to, to know whether it is becoming a hindrance. And God will show you that. And life circumstances will show you that. Your spouse will show you that. <laughs> uh, a friend might show you that. Um, it's these things that become a hindrance. Then um, the Holy Spirit will bring us to mind hindrances that he will say, that's getting a little bit too important to you. You're spending a little bit too much money on that. You're spending too much time on that. Throw it off. But these are not the right and wrong things. They're just things in our life that become a hindrance. And those hindrances bring on weariness and losing heart as we get weighed down by them. That's what we're trying to stay, uh, to get rid of. We have a second thing we need to lob off. I'm still on lob. Um, it is sin that so easily entangles us. Now, these are the moral issues, the right and wrong issues, the thing we discuss, we, we hear about in Scripture, and God's laid out for us. Um, thing, you know, anything in the Bible. Sinful anger, sinful fear, wrong addictions, uh, wrong hate, sexual sins, pornography, lying, cheating, ungratefulness, and there's many, many more. Things in the Word that are laid out for us. Uh, these are the sins that so easily entangle us. The appeal is simply for us, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. Going back to running a race, this is, there's rules. You gotta follow the rules. You gotta stay in your lane, or you have to follow the path. Um, there's rules. You can't break the rules. That's this kind of sin. We don't want to do that. And it's also interesting that it says it easily entangles us. Wouldn't you expect as a Christian for God to say, it's kind of hard for sin to get it, entangle you, but sometimes it does. But he doesn't. He says it easily entangles us. What a warning for us as Christians about these things that are right and wrong, the black and white things of life. We need to be careful because they can easily entangle us. Um, we've been going through 1 Samuel in Sunday school, and we've been studying, part of that has been David, um, and what a great man of God, and yet he was often easily entangled in sinful actions and lying and, and being deceptive. Um, so even someone like him. So as we look at these verses and we try to get to the place where we do not grow weary and lose heart, the first thing is lob. Lob those hindrances and lob off those sins. The second thing we see in these verses is to jog. And again, this is not a very spiritual word, but the Bible says to run, but lob, jog. Remember those O words, words that have O's in them. It says, let us run, uh, let us jog, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we need to run our Christian life with perseverance. Um, here's another quote from someone. God has set before you and each of us a race. You must run it. 
and it will involve effort and commitment. Being passive never runs or wins a race. God wants us to run the race and to finish it right. It is a determination, unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. Perseverance. So when we talk about in verse three, when it says, you will not grow weary and lose heart, it doesn't mean a bed of roses kind of life where nothing ever happens. Because here now we're said, perseverance. Perseverance isn't something that's always easy. Sometimes it's choices to keep going when it's not. That is perseverance. We need to persevere. It's to go when you're tired. And what are we supposed to persevere doing? Running the race that is marked out for us. Jesus has marked out a course for you and for me. There's a race marked out for you that you're running in life right now. Um, the life of the believer is not a leisurely stroll. It's a race. My race and your race are uniquely marked out for us. Um, it's, it's not the idea that I make my race, I can perform, I can do it. God has laid the race out for us, and we need to live the life that follows that path for us. Um, thinking of that race of life, I've been reading a book, and it, it's a book about a Christian man. It was written in 1993. I like old books, and I like historical, factual books. So we're back in 1993. How many of you were born about then, or were alive in 93? I mean, some of you weren't. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's about a guy by the name of Dennis Bird, and his family was so poor that as a high schooler, they his parents and two sisters slept in a camper in a dusty Oklahoma field. By the way, it's BYRD, maybe he's related. <laughs> and him and his two brothers had to sleep in the school bus next to it. And as a, as a high schooler, he had a dream of playing football. And in the book he talks about, he took a four by four pole and dug a hole in this Oklahoma sand or dusty soil. And he would practice firing out, hitting this pole to toughen himself up to be able to play football. And he did it all summer. He worked hard at it. Um, and before his senior year of high school, or during his senior year, he, he was a late bloomer, but he did improve enough that uh, he got a scholarship to the University of Tulsa. Tulsa University in Oklahoma. And as he was there, he worked hard. And four years later, he was drafted in the second round by the New York Jets. And in his second year, he had 13 sacks. Now, if you're not a football player, that may not mean nothing. But that was third in the league. And if you are a player that can sack a quarterback, you're going to have a contract and money. I mean, those are important aspects of a football team. So he had 13 sacks and he was third in the lead. Here he'd gone from nothing in Oklahoma to a star in New York City. You know, what a, what a life God had laid out, marked out for his life. But one play, him and the other defensive end were almost on mirror images to sack the quarterback, uh, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. And just as they got there, he stepped up into the pocket and they missed him and they collided. And when the trainers got out there, he said, I can't feel my body. He had broke his fifth vertebrae in his neck. Um, what, a, what a life God had marked out for him. Um, what a race from a poor boy in Oklahoma to a quadriplegic. Uh, God had laid out his race. 
God's laid out our race and we can trust him to lead us. Whatever that race is. I don't know your race. You don't know my race. But if we run with perseverance on that race, then we don't have to worry about, worry about being overcome with that weariness and lose heart. Now, the rest of the story is this book only covers about a little less than a year. And within a year, he had worked hard, God had blessed him, and he was walking. Um, he was married, had, had a child. He said when he was laying in bed, his one hope was he could hold his child. Um, and his wife was pregnant at the time. And so they had another child in there. And then later on, he had two more. And so I'm getting about done with this book that, like I said, was written in 1993. And I thought, where is this guy today? I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with the story or the name. So I Googled it. And here's a, there was a story that he was on an Oklahoma highway in 2016 when he was married, had four children. Him and his son were traveling to see his daughter and an oncoming driver crossed the center line. Killed him instantly in 2016. What a path that God laid out for this guy. Um, and I was, I was at this, you know, the book, he's walking, yeah, well, this is a good story. And then when you Google it and you find out, then 20 years later, he was killed. Uh, he would have been 50. Um, so we never know our race or the race of the believer next to us, um, but we need to run it with perseverance. Um, how's our perseverance doing today? So we need to lob off the hindrances, the sin. We need to jog, run the race that is marked out for you, for me. We need to do that. And the third action is to look. So we got lob, job, jog, and look. When you're in a place you're feeling really weary, losing heart, bring those three words back to mind. Um, in verse two, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, in our life, we use a lot of different words for the idea of looking. Do you remember the look you got when you were a kid and you were in trouble? <laughs> Did your mom or dad have a look that you knew it was bad? Um, or you might gaze, or you might stare, or a quick glimpse, or a glance. Um, in this verse, it's talking about our eyes being fixed and focused. The word actually implies fixing our eyes on something and at the same time ignoring the other things around us. That's the idea of this word. Fix your eyes on Jesus. There's lots of things we can fix our eyes on, but we need to fix them on Jesus and keep those other things out of our focus, out of our vision. Uh, you know, in team sports like basketball, it's really important to have peripheral vision and see everything going on so you can see your teammates. Uh, Larry Bird was my hero when I was a kid, or, or he's about the same age I am. But anyway, that's one of the things he could do. <laughs> he could see the court and make some passes to teammates that you go, wow. But in these verses, we're talking about not that getting sidetracked by things going on, focus straight ahead. A better illustration of this uh, 
is running the 100-yard dash. They say when you run the 100-yard dash, you should run it with not looking at anybody. That'll slow you down. Uh, there's a quote I read that uh, this guy was saying, one, one important aspect of the 100 is to always stay focused on yourself and the track ahead of you or that race marked out ahead of you. Glancing to your left or right to see where your competitors are will only slow you down. You should be able to run to run 100 meters like a horse in the Kentucky Derby with blinders on, said Atto Bolton. Nothing in the 100 should ever cause a sprinter to look to his left or right. Bolton knows this full well. He glanced over at his competitor in the 96 Olympics and fell behind and got the bronze rather than the silver. Fix your eyes on Jesus, have blinders, don't let those worries and cares of life get your focus. Um, what things in your life are those temptations to get your focus on rather than on Jesus? What is out there that takes your time and energy and your attention rather than Jesus? Focus on Jesus. We need to intensely focus on Jesus and not the things around us. Um, so as we run our race, we need to look at Jesus because he is worthy of our focus. And that's what the rest of these verses are really telling us. He is the author and perfecter. The author writes the book. He initiates the book. He knows all about the book. He's the author. That is why we can focus on him. He is the perfecter. Um, Jesus works through our life to complete our faith journey. Uh, we look to Jesus because he is the object of our faith. Jesus is the central person. He was the central, uh, I want to say activity, that's not the word, I, but his death and resurrection on the cross is all central to our faith. That's why we need to focus on him and look at, look at him. Um, so keep your look squarely on Jesus in your life, even though other things will try to pull our concentration away or move it away, uh, keep it on him. And we look to Jesus because of his, his example of his joyfulness. It says, um, uh, the author who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Um, if Jesus can do that joyfully, we can face the problems in our lives with joy. So don't become weary, don't lose heart. Remember to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and that will keep us from, from doing that. Uh, one may say that Jesus is with us at the starting line and the finish line and all the way and along the way of the race that he sets before us. I thought of a story from scripture about this, and Jesse alluded to it. Uh, Matthew 14, you know this story. Um, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come down on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink. What brings waves? What are the waves of your life? What are the waves of your life that cause you to sink? 
I once read a rescue mission book on Alaska, storm, terrible storm, dark, night, awful. A helicopter's going to rescue a sunken, guys that have, their ship has sunk, and he's flying along in the dark rain, and he sees something in front of him, and he realized it's a wave so big, it was higher than his helicopter. And he has to back up and go up, and he misses it. The wave misses him. Um, and these waves are so large, then these guys have to jump out swimmers with flippers and wetsuits out of his helicopter. But they gotta make sure they time it that when the wave is below the helicopter, you jump. If you miss it, the trough is so deep it'll kill you. That's a wave. What waves are in your life? Like Peter, in the middle of the storm, he gets his look off of Jesus and starts looking at all the waves. Um, so, I hope you can be encouraged that when you feel like you're growing weary and losing heart, that if you remember to lob off those things, run the race that God has sent before you, and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that will take away the weariness um, that is with us. So what a blessing we have in our lives to be able to do that. So I would just end with this thought. May our life not grow weary, and may we not lose heart running the race that God has set out before us. May our life not grow weary, and may we not lose heart running the race marked out for each of us. Let's close in prayer. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.